Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I am not joined by Don Pizzette this week. We actually have a fill-in. You can see him over there, Mr. Wes Bryan. Wes, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Good to be here. Yeah, we had to raise the mic higher. That's right. <laughs> and get all the books that Don normally stands on. We had to take them out of That's the room. That's right. Don't People need don't any books. Don That's is right. only three and a half feet Don tall. Three and That's half right. Feet tall. No high yeah. chair needed. Nope. nope. And uh, you heard as well, that's Daniel Lowry. Daniel, how's it going? What up? Good to have some consistency here, at least with you. Appreciate you taking the time. Well, you know, I could be bothered to do my job. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the only day of the week that we bother you to do your it, job. All right. And we are also joined by another special guest today. We have Chris DeSaul, who is a senior incident response consultant at Cisco Talos Intelligence Group. Chris, how are you doing today? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you, and you're just right down the road down in uh, the Orlando area. So so you work remote, right? Yeah. There's not like a, a big Cisco uh, presence there, is there? Uh, no, there is, uh, you know, Cisco buildings all over, um, but as far as where I'm at, I'm, I'm remote at home. Fantastic. Yeah, well, I thought you were going to be yeah. in one of those, like, uh, Avenger, like uh, a shield flying ships. That just sounds cooler. <laughs> See, That's I, actually the floating platform. Yeah, That's, gotcha. There yeah. you go. Yeah, I think yeah. I think Daniel has a really um, skewed idea of of what the uh, Talos Intelligence Group is. Um, Man, so, Cisco got that money. They could make. That. I know they could do that. <laughs> I don't think they choose not to. But let's find out more about Chris and more about uh, the actual truth of that group in our first segment, which is rapid fire questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Chris, what we're going to do here is we're going to throw about five questions at you. We're going to put five minutes on the clock. And uh, if you go too long on time, we will buzz you. Uh, but we probably won't because we're nice people. So I'll go ahead and jump in with our first question, which, you know, I think everybody knows who Cisco is. So we don't have to do the. So tell us about the company you work for. Uh, but I don't know that everyone knows about the Talos Intelligence Group and what that uh, group within Cisco does. So can you give us kind of a little bit of an overview there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Cisco Talos Incident Response, um, and, and more specific, the intelligence group, uh, was a result of the acquisition from Sourcefire uh, by Cisco back in 2013. Uh, so now Talos Intelligence Group is a global leader in cyber threat intelligence. Um, we gather security-relevant data uh, from a number of products uh, within our own incident response engagements, uh, and then also open source and premium uh, data sources. Uh, we also use that information and intelligence to backend our Cisco products, uh, basically making all of our customers uh, more secure with that information. Chris, your role looks uh, very uh, similar, if you will, to uh, what you were doing in the Air Force um, in terms of threat hunting. How did uh, you think that prepared you for life outside of the military? You know, I got to say, um, as far as military experience, uh, a lot of that definitely created a, a strong foundation. Um, for networking, you know, system administration, which eventually led into uh, understanding and identifying anomalies. Uh, what you're referring to is my time um, doing threat hunting in the reserves, where I was able to learn about different types of systems um, for network security monitoring, uh, SIM, um, but the ability to take, you know, uh, classified information, extract indicators out of that, and create detections in order to help my team and, uh, you know, identify those anomalies as quick as possible. I have noticed a trend with the United States military being very adept at creating cybersecurity professionals. It's a good feeder program. You know, I've been telling people mm -hmm. a lot, hey, 
if you really want to do some cybersecurity, join the military, sure. and they will teach you everything you and need to know. And we've talked to several on the Israeli side, too. Yeah, that that's yeah. a great... We're not uh, the only ones. Yeah. Now, that said, the Talos Intelligence Group is is kind of an elite organization as well, just in the private sector, obviously doing great work out there. How does someone get into that, though? Like, is it, was it specifically your your military background that got you there? Or, like, what was your, what was your chain of events that led you to there? You know, uh, I wouldn't say it was solely the uh, the military experience that got me to that. Uh, it definitely, like I said, it created that foundation for me uh, to build on. But to be honest, between that, uh, I worked at a defense contractor uh, shortly after my military uh, active duty experience, uh, where I was learning all about you know government uh, governance, risk and compliance, and risk management framework. Uh, and then at the same time, I was doing the reserves. I was doing those uh, the threat hunts and you know trying to uh, identify and uh, eradicate attackers. So. A mix of all those things, plus the things that I do at home, uh, like working in my home lab or uh, trying to do research on the latest threat uh, or just practicing with open source tools. Well, you seem like the kind of guy that doesn't like downtime, uh, because I know that even while you're working there, you actually took some time to, to teach at the college level and, and you're doing some other things. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing there? Yeah. So um, I'm also teaching with uh, Thrive DX, which is formerly uh, HackerU. Uh, they've got contracts with a lot of the universities around the around the country. Uh, so I was fortunate to be able to teach for uh, University of Central Florida and University of Miami, uh, teaching a number of different classes that range from uh, Linux, cloud, Microsoft security, um, Python, ethical hacking, digital forensics, incident response, you name it. If it's in the, you know, the cyber wheelhouse, uh, we were touching on it. Are those undergrad things or is that more like advanced? That was a, a professional certificate through the university. Very cool. All right, so uh, so so you've kind of got the inside track. You you know about some things before we know. So what what is something that that's out there that uh, but it's just not getting the the level of awareness that you think it should. Like, is there something uh, a specific type of threat that that people just aren't worried about enough? You know, I think the we elderly. all know the elderly. <laughs> 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 They're coming for you. Yeah, I think uh, cloud and. Um, you know, ICS, industrial control systems. If I had to name a couple there, uh, we're starting to see uh, a lot of training around that, but it may be, uh, I don't want to say too little too late, but in reality, we've had the architecture and the systems that we currently have for a very long time, and we're still having trouble making sure that those are all, you know, secured properly as we continue to build out the uh, the convenience through other technologies. And we may uh, need to get training faster uh, and specifically for cloud, uh, when it comes to something like cloud forensics, there's probably not a whole lot of people that know how to do that uh, in comparison to, you know, for example, Windows Active Directory networks. So cloud, uh, antiquated ICS systems are always at risk. Um, and then just the normal everything else that we're dealing with, you know, uh, the different variants of ransomware and threat groups that are deploying that. Would you say that the ICS problem is probably stemming from the fact that they are like very legacy systems or difficult to get your hands on for things like practice and and learning is that the is that the roadblock to success for that that area and keeping it more safe yeah i think it is um to really do it the right way uh, right it, it comes down to doing at least for for me when it comes to learning i'm a doer um so i know that there's there's teams like dragos that have you know some of these tools that they're they're playing with and practicing with and um it's definitely the right path forward i think to make sure that you can secure that properly uh also defense in depth right ensuring that you've got the right defensive measures around those antiquated systems are another way to uh, ensure that you're protecting them as best as possible. Yeah. The labs we need nowadays are like old thermostats and, and yeah, things like yeah. that that you can. Well, I mean, you get some of those semen PCL or you know, 
logic and draw PLCs. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can kind of set up a home lab, but it starts getting kind of pricey. It's it's difficult to start building those types of labs so that you can get your hands on working with like Modbus or whatever and seeing how that works and how you could hack those things. It's doable. It's just a little bit of a price point of entry. And traditionally, those networks used to be air-gapped. But then yeah. somebody had the bright idea. Man, i got to do hey, this in my underwear. That's right. I need to connect <laughs> these to TCP IP networks. It must be much better now. i got to watch The Simpsons. People like Chris have to be able to work from home now. Yeah, that's on. right. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Chris, uh, while we have you here, I'd like to move on to another topic that, uh, that I, I know you have some insight on. So we want to talk about pre-ransomware best practices. And I assume that we're not talking about before we send out our ransomware <laughs> we're talking about the things that we need to be doing before we get the ransomware that not not if but when we get that ransomware correct yeah you know there's a lot of people out there that uh they assume breach uh, and that's not a bad way to go about it um but at the end of the day we need to make sure that we're putting the right things in place for an event in case it were to happen um and what i mean by that is there's both uh you've got your detection and then you've got your response a lot of people have the ability to detect that there's something you know, anomalous or suspicious happening in their environment. But what we're finding is that not all of them have the same flexibility to make those changes in their environment, at least uh, you know, quickly, because time is of the essence when these things are happening. So we've, we've seen a lot of success in uh, you know, talking to customers about their environment, finding out what they've seen you know, in scoping and providing recommendations, uh, tactical recommendations on the fly, that things that they can change uh, immediately. Um, but some of them may not have the ability to make those changes. Um, such changes could include, you know, tactical things like uh, implementing multi-factor authentication, um, leveraging operating system native uh, protective measures um, like Windows uh, Defender Credential Guard for uh, protecting your secrets, you know, in, in memory, um, disabling unnecessary ports and shares uh, protocols. Logging is huge. Uh, I would say that some of the things that we need to see more often is uh, logs and longer, uh, you know, timeframes on those logs. You, so, you lost me at make more logs. I'm just. I'm just <laughs> yeah. People cannot so generating be. Generating logs is big. Yeah. They, they can't be like bothered to do log. And I'm like, you understand if you're not watching this system, people are going to do stuff to it. Right. You know, yeah, you, I you, mean, they're going to do it regardless, but not having the evidence isn't going to help you when it comes time to, uh, no. to respond to that. Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, you know, the tactical nature of this, and you've also mentioned defense in depth. How much of that is user awareness as far as the pre-ransomware practice goes? You know, uh, a lot. A lot of that is. And while it's not always, they say people is the weakest link, right? Um, it's not always the case where it's a user that clicked on something. Uh, but I'd be lying if I say that uh, I haven't seen that a lot. So it's a mix of things. Uh, one thing that I recommend to a lot of customers that we have is uh, you know, including a human in the loop. And what I mean by that is you can have all of the silver bullet tools out there that are looking at your network traffic that are backended by threat intelligence, that are looking at the actions happening on your system between you know parent process and child process execution and command line arguments uh, attached to those. Um, but at the end of the day, if no one's looking at that stuff, uh, it's just going to get by uh, unless you've got a very strict, um, you know, security configuration in place where it's just going to block everything. Then again, that's probably not the best way to go about it because you could be shutting yourself down from, you know, performing the function that you need to operationally. One of the things that uh, I feel like I keep hearing it, when we talk about a lot of the, the big ransomware attacks that have happened recently is they're, they're saying, you know, that, that they paid or, or they had the insurance company pay. You know, I, there's a lot of organizations that I feel like they've got to be doing good backups. Is it is it just easier to pay sometimes than actually 
going and, and getting the backup and, and uh, restoring from that? So yeah, backups is one of those things that uh, we're starting to see a lot of uh, adversaries are just wiping the backups, right? Maybe oh, you don't have that's good uh, secondary authentication to the backups. You don't have a cold storage backup. Um, so you find that they just authenticated straight in and, and encrypted those two, or maybe they removed them. Um, so backups are essential. Uh, at, to answer your question, uh, we don't recommend uh, the payment. However, that's also case by case. At the end of the day, if someone's saying, hey, you know, $5,000, you can have all this data back, you kind of have to, because it it's to, to risk assessment at that point. And it's up to the uh, the leadership of the customer to determine, you know, what's the best course of action at that point. Do we see a lot of like cyber insurance companies just basically negotiating a lower settlement and then it just kind of goes hush hush and sweep it under the rug? You know, the day? Uh, when it comes to that, that's part that we don't see. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they usually go through insurance and maybe insurance may have a breach coach that they put them in touch with. Uh, mm-hmm. However, uh, that's not something that we really get into. We're more of the uh, incident response, incident handling, and digital forensic side of that. So you're coming in after the fact and then looking at, okay, what went wrong? How can we patch these holes for, for next time? Is that kind of where, where your organization fits in? I mean, realistically, um, I've come in as soon as someone's seen uh, anomalous activity. Um, I've come in uh, after the encryption, and I've even come in after they think that they've eradicated that adversary. Um, but we've done all those steps. You know, uh, It's very common that we'll get called in. Uh, we're able to stop an adversary before they uh, encrypt the entire network, and we can eradicate based on some of those uh, tactics and, and techniques that we've seen. Right? If I know that they're using these IPs, they're using these tools, um, we can put protections in place to maintain the, the uh, operations of the client, uh, but also protect them uh, against any further execution. That sounds fun. I got one last question for you. What's your favorite security-related thing to do where when it comes up, you just hear Flight of the Valkyries playing. You're like, da, 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 da. oh, yes, I love this. And you get to do it. What's your favorite thing? Uh, you know, we do a lot of proactives uh, within the team. You know, I've talked a lot about the emergency response side. Uh, but as far as proactive work, anything that's technical, like a threat hunt or a compromise assessment, when I have customers that want that kind of work, um, my job is my hobby. So I'm pretty excited when someone says they want that because now I get to uh, either play with tools that I've never played with before, or maybe I have, and I get to try them in a new environment. Everybody's different. All these environments are different. And every time is a learning opportunity. Cool. Sounds like it likes to be on offense instead of defense. Come in. Man. Well, yeah, there's yeah. always like aspects to either blue teaming or red teaming or whatever that are active that you get to actually play with things and do stuff. And I assume that's what Chris is talking about. Yeah. That's some fun time. You know, it, it really is. Uh, having studied a lot of the pen test side or the red team side, uh, they, they go hand in hand. The more you yeah. understand about the red team side of things, it can really help you with uh, how to defend. Purple team. Purple team is for when you ain't got the budget when you to don't do. have the oh, money. Never red and blue, yeah. yeah it's a really good solution oh, yeah. right. for uh, going down the middle there. All right. Well, well, Chris, I know one of the things you like to do is is help other people that are that are you know coming up in the field, and you work a lot with mentoring and things like that. Can you tell us about what you do there? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. Um, so I work with uh, both Veterati and uh, Blue Team Village uh, and in a mentoring capacity. So uh, I just wanted to use this opportunity to uh, let anyone know uh, if this is something they're interested in getting in and they want to talk to someone about it, uh, hit me up. I'm available uh, as a mentor, blueteamvillage.org uh, and uh, betterati.com are two ways that you can reach out through those platforms and, uh, and we can chat. Fantastic. He also runs a street gang. <laughs> <laughs> a, a red team gang yeah. that goes out and yeah 
these things before they happen. Yeah. Well, Chris, we, we really appreciate it. Like, like we said, you know, you're, you work for just a really cool organization and uh, love getting your insight and, and, and hearing some of that, uh, you know, how, how you got to where you are, how other people can kind of follow in that. So if, if that's something you're thinking about, you know, definitely check them out on those, those platforms, uh, Blue Team Village and Veterani. Uh, but Chris, uh, thanks so much for taking the time with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Y'all take care. You yeah, definitely. Care, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to go through the news from this week, all coming up on Technado with Don Pizzette. Need to create custom training videos and not sure where to start? The IT Pro TV studios are your answer. Whether you're creating end user training, employee training, a podcast, or general promotional videos, the IT Pro TV studio team is here to help. Choose the level of service that fits your needs, from ad hoc video production to the convenience of turnkey service. Available services include pre-shoot consultation, recording, editing, makeup, on-camera talent, and more. Choose from a variety of sets, or customize the look using your own background displays and props. And if you think video is outside your budget, think again. The IT Pro TV studios are an affordable option with half, full, and multi-day rates available. Visit itpro.tv slash custom dash training to see the sets, view a detailed list of equipment, schedule a visit, and request your personalized quote. Don't stress about video creation. Let the IT Pro TV studio team bring your video ideas to life. All right, hello and welcome back to TechNado with Don Pizzette. Thanks you, Thank you so much to Chris for joining us. And uh, that, that was pretty insightful. And you know what, what happens when you don't show up for the show don we talk about the yes. mama jokes yes, that people right. have sent in uh that we asked you to send in we asked yes. you to send in your mama jokes and if we read them on the air we will send you a t-shirt so it uh, looks like christina turner is getting a t-shirt and, and I, I enjoy this one she says uh as requested my yo mama joke don's mama's so poor the ducks throw bread at her <laughs> nice that's pretty cool i like that one uh, one that I didn't like as much uh, is one that, that... One I didn't like as much. And yet we're going to read that one now. <laughs> well, you know, I'm still going to read Here's it. Here's one guy, I hate. The guy took the time to send it in. Uh, I just don't get it, um, which which is fair. So let's see. This one... It just says Peter sucks. Yeah. That's a weird <laughs> mama the joke. Heck, buddy. Uh, all right. This came from Ben, uh, ben L. who said, Yo, mama's so blockchain... I mean, that's a bad start right uh, there. Yeah. Uh, that's bad. But your mom is so blockchain, she wants you to plant a Merkle tree in her front yard. Okay. Helps if you probably know a little bit more about blockchain. About blockchain. Yeah, yeah. or Merkle trees. I had to look that up. It's a, uh, in cryptography and computer science, a hash tree or Merkle tree is a tree in which every leaf node is labeled with the cryptographic hash. Did I, did I pass out? You crickets did. off now. Okay. Yeah. You know, if that's your field, if that's your field, that that that's funny. That's probably hysterical around the blockchain. To the right, yeah, to the yeah. right crowd. I am not the right crowd no. for that one, but I, I'm into security, and I'm just cryptography is just not like it's one of those things where I'm like, so a bunch of math, and then things get jumbled, and I can't read it. Cool, I like it. At the end of the day, Ben's still getting a shirt, and <laughs> Give I him too. I assume that's ne negative thing about Don's mom, and I love it. As a result, I I I. I advocated for you man I'll try to get you two shirts yeah well we'll see never know we'll see peter might feel very generous i doubt it uh <laughs> all right well let's get to the news from this week our first article comes to us from techcrunch.com proton mail logged ip address of french activists after order by swiss authorities so uh, dun, dun, dun. this is when it's great to live in the united states of america where we have freedom but uh <laughs> 
is there are there any services out there that that we wouldn't have to worry about this with or basically anybody's just gonna the most secure email service that i am aware of is called c templar and it's out of iceland mm. iceland has very strong personal privacy laws was that started by the Knights Templar? It was not. Uh, <laughs> Do they know where the but, Holy Grail is? Yeah. It's one of the oldest. What's great is they, uh, yeah, it's one of the oldest. There's a, there's a guy going, you have chosen wisely. <laughs> For those that get that joke. Yeah, no, um, uh, but they have a comparison chart there, and they talk about the difference between themselves and Proton Mail and another one called Tutanota. Um, I'm not familiar with Tutanota, but kind of showing you the differences, like, is there TLS encryption? Yeah, and they all three have that. Encrypted attachments, yes. But when you start getting it down into the nitty-gritty, you start seeing things like data sharing law with USA. C. Templar says, no, thank you. Uh, as where ProtonMail says, yes, we will do law sharing, right? That is a part of sure. the thing. Uh, is there 2FA? Are they recording IPs? Whereas C. Templar says, we are not recording IPs. Right. They, so even they if do. He, they do go into their their fine print and say, okay, so we record them for like a few days. Yeah. For but they're not very specific stored. purposes, and then we remove them. Even if we were to give over your, you know, like if we were to say, okay, throw our hands up in the air and and abide by a, they say they only abide by Icelandic law. Same thing with Proton Mail. They are following suit because the Swiss government said you must. Give us access to this. Give mm -hmm. us any information you have. This did not come from France. It came from France by way of it was a liaison between yes. Swiss and the French government. Yeah, yeah. And they were—they're very reluctant. They do fight that kind of thing every year. Like obviously, this isn't the first time they've been asked to release information. They were compelled by law to do so. Uh, the fact that they were still storing that—I don't know in what capacity that they continued uh, that they store those things, but. Since they had it, they had to they had to hoof it over, which they did. Otherwise, they would be in violation of the law. Now they could have took a stand, and someone could go to jail, and all that other wonderfulness. Um, and you can you can measure them by that standard if yeah. you like. Yeah, it's a tricky one because a lot of the the tweets are in French, um, <laughs> so it, it's tough to follow. But you know, it sounds like since they do business in Switzerland. Um, you know, they, they have to comply with, with those right. local laws. And that's the tricky thing about doing right. business internationally. And since this was passed on from France by means of another intermediary, maybe Interpol or something, mm -hmm. and then that went straight to the Swiss government, and the Swiss government actually took this on as a case. Now they're under Swiss law, and since they are a Swiss business, they were compelled to turn over their information. That said, C. Templar does not seem to have that problem, yeah. um, at least according to them. Like I said, uh, they're, they're also, and I think ProtonMail to their to their benefit also has this capability as well. They have an Onion site, oh. mm -hmm. so all of this stuff is completely and any IPs that they had at that point would be, you know, Onion sites or yeah, uh, tour, tour endpoints. So, you know, now now you got to follow that back trail if you can. Yeah, and then there you go. So they both have that functionality as well. Well, there's a great quote that's actually called out in the sidebar of this article. It says, "In general, though, unless you are based 15 miles offshore in international waters, it's not possible to ignore court orders." Which you know, it's true. You can ignore yeah. them, and then you're going to get in court, and yep. and you're going to lose everything. Sure. Uh, they, I saw that uh, Proton Mail's either their CEO or CIO or somebody was like, "We successfully fight off like 700 of these things a year." Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So Proton Mail is. Is privacy, at least they do seem to be privacy focused, which I like, which is good. Their capability and ability to do that, they might have had to, or just because they feel like it's the right thing to do, 
made some um, caveats. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you do want to be able to stop bad people. Sure. Right. Bad but you also want, I, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice some, well, I'm not willing, what should I say? I'm not willing to sacrifice privacy for security. Mm-hmm. As well, who gets to decide who is bad? That's well, the thing. If you're murdering people. <laughs> sure. Was this guy murdering? Yeah. I don't know. There was, um, I think it was a terrorist group. There were, oh, well, no, then. no, I'm sorry. It wasn't terror. It was, it was a French, activist. it was a gr- group of ac- French advocates, uh, who were trying to stop the gentrification of their area mm-hmm. and kind of, yeah, bad is subjective sometimes. In, 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 in this case, I would say that that would be, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. stop it by means of burning down everyone's house. Yeah, there you go. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's bad. And they say it, they comply with lawful requests, but right. they also will challenge anything right. that doesn't seem that lawful. they feel. You right. can't just say everything's lawful. Yeah, that sounds fair. That sounds like governments. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, anything I say is lawful. I'm the law. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, when you uh, make the laws. Yeah, that's not how this works. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next article, which comes to us from Newsweek.com. Uh, Brooklyn woman allegedly destroyed 20 gigabytes of credit union's data after being fired, which begs the question, Wes, when, when you're inevitably fired, <laughs> what system will you try to burn down on your way out? Every one I've set an admin account on. Oh, you got a lot of backdoors that yeah. you've yeah. set up? That's yeah. smart. Well, no, it's not a backdoor. It's an admin. You go right in the front door. You oh, that's true. The door. Because yeah. when, when they shut down your account, which which... I mean, the takeaway here is shut down the that account did not happen. before you're yeah. firing a person, or as you've got the person in the room. We the other fired guy's Denise the, the other day. Yeah. 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 My really? question is, what is their offboarding process? <laughs> we fired you. You're still going to be on the books for the yeah. next five. Can years. you come into work on Thursday, by yeah. the way? Well, that's why you can't do the spur of the moment firings, and that's what I want mine to be. Is yeah. like I, I want to get in a shouting match and just be told, "Well, you're fired," and then I've it's just a race for me to had like, that happen. T- it's not <laughs> as fun as it sounds. Make eyes with the with the network admin that has to uh, disable my account as I run back to my yeah. machine and see what i can do but uh yeah this this is a is a bad situation because i'm imagining uh 20 gigs of of data can can be you know she she would know where the important data is being on the inside yeah that's why insider threats are so dangerous is because there is an assumed level of trust now that said like you have pointed out so eloquently she was dismissed and yet still had access so obviously this was a negligence on the part of their Offboarding process, yeah. as Wes said. Mm-hmm. Well, unless, you know, I know Wes was, was kidding, but, you know, if you disable her user account, but she still knows the admin password. So mm-hmm. I, I worked in IT for many years as an administrator, and I dealt with firings and having to lock people out of systems. That's what you do. So when yeah. I, this is the process that we would use where I worked, was I would get a word from HR that we are dismissing so-and-so within the next 20 minutes. Go ahead, and what I would do is disable all of their accounts. They had no access at that point. Don't delete them, but they are disabled. Once the dismissal has occurred and people are off-premise and everything, then I go in and I, through my administrative functionality, change the passwords of the things they had access to and start moving and migrating their ownership of uh, objects to others. Right. This is why I'm a much bigger fan of role-based access and not necessarily rule-based access for individuals. If I have you set in a role, I could just, like if Peter was the manager of Technado and then, you know, we caught you doing bad, bad things, we dismiss you. I just pull you out of that role and you no longer have those access. And I put Wes in that role. He has all the access he needs. Done, right? It's a much simpler process. Not that there aren't some, you know, loose ends you have to tie up, but it's a lot easier 
to find those loose ends, tie them up and fix them, especially since I've already changed your ability to access the system. So if they're not doing that, they have a, a problem with their offboarding process and their security process that they need to revamp because otherwise she should have never been able to do this after the fact. Sure. Definitely. Well, the, I think the takeaway here is if you live in Brooklyn and uh, bank at a credit union, make sure that, that your mortgage has a balance before, <laughs> yeah. you, before you pay it because yeah. she might have wiped that out. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she did. I think no. what... What she did do... Like shared files. Yeah, it was shared files on um, some of the other employees' systems, which they were in backups. And I think they even said that... They said they spent about ten grand getting things back up, but but they had everything. Not not a huge crime. She wasn't like... She was trying to be malicious, but without really being harmful. Um, At least that's what it seems like from the article. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say, though, that she's not getting a letter of recommendation. No, no. No. Which might have been... The bridge is burnt. Yeah, the bridge is burnt and and maybe some jail time. It very well could be. A little bit bit of community service, maybe. Y'all, listen here. Take a break. Big deep breath. Yeah. And then don't do the wrong thing on your way out because it's one thing to get fired. It's one thing to get fired and then go to jail. That's right. Right? Is that really worth it? I don't think so. And I know you're emotional at that point. It's not a fun experience, but try to control yourself and then move on with your life. Better to be handed your hat than handed handcuffs. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, go yeah. stay. Let's go to the county hotel. That's right. Yeah. Have a drink. Yeah. Go home and have a drink. It's got a five-star review on Google. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> by, yeah, by the guards. That's yeah. And Glassdoor. Yeah, and the yeah. warden. Exactly. Yeah. Glassdoor. <laughs> yeah, if it's any like, anything like that Shawshank prison, the warden loves it. Yeah. All right, let's move on now to bleepingcomputer.com for our next article. Microsoft announces Visual Studio Code for the web public preview. So this has nothing to do with with Windows 11 or any of that new stuff coming out. Not that I'm aware of. Of course, I'm not a big one. It does have an update. After the story was published, a Microsoft spokesperson told Bleeping Computer that the announcement was mistakenly published and Visual Studio Code for the web hasn't yet reached public preview. So maybe it's coming soon. They were getting this, so. getting this one ready. Yeah. Does anyone still use Visual Studio Code? I have no idea. I, I think it's pretty popular, right? I have it uh, right now, and uh, I'll tell you what, for preview and things like JSON, if you're deploying to yeah. Azure. Now, I haven't used it that much. Mike is a big advocate because he's oh, uh, yeah. one of the other agitators. Justin as well. Having, exactly, because it really just, it shows your code and everything. But uh, for what I'm using it for, I'm just kind of getting kind of getting used to it. I've got it installed locally, but I don't have the web version. It's interesting mm. that the web version says there's about six things you can't do, <laughs> like debug your code. Uh, there were, there were, there's a few things. So I mean, it uh, sounds pretty cool, though, being able to, being able to see it just heads run up. it as a web app yeah 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 i know so you won't be able to build run or debug your applications so uh, i don't know it's so total a, garbage seem to be <laughs> broken by things. design yeah no, I, uh, I know don said that, that he he's tried it but he went back to sublime text is that something you guys have used uh i have used sublime text oh yeah i um, use um what the heck do i use i right use now? adam usually. i use harupad right now Harupad's so pretty popular I'm yeah. if i'm in linux i'm well i mean i'm running linux natively so i have Adam installed. I've just gotten so used to Adam that that's my sure. choice. But other than that, Nano, you know, yeah. I'm pretty straightforward. I don't need a lot of the bells and whistles mm-hmm. and frills. Well, so the main thing here, it looks like, I mean, it's kind of the whole trend of, of all the Microsoft uh, products these days. It is uh, browser-based and yeah. so runs entirely in the browser without mm-hmm. backing compute. So, uh, I mean, that's where we're going with 365. Uh, that's where we're going with. You'll own nothing and you'll like it. 
Yeah. <laughs> and you'll pay a subscription. No local installs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like that idea. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I'm not. I was going to say, I know you in local installs. You keep it as light and minimalistic as I possible. It's a run like sure. a well-oiled machine. And sure. usually, you know, it's funny. You know, Windows 11 comes out and this and that comes out. And it's like, well, now I need more resources. So I got to go buy a new piece of hardware, you know. And it's like, why are you just basically building stuff to utilize all the latest and greatest hardware and making it more difficult for that stuff to run. And eventually we continue this accordion game of, you know, what is it? The software moves this way and its capabilities and then hardware has to catch up and then mm-hmm. hardware surpasses it. And then software goes, let's, oh, I can use all this hardware now. That's right. You know, keep it. I just need it to run a browser. I need it to run some terminal and maybe virtualization. Yeah. Interesting point here in the comments. And, uh, you know, I assume it's true. Uh, but they say Visual uh, Studio Code is built on Electron, which is a modified copy of Chromium. So which much is of this a modified was, copy of Chrome. Yeah. So much of it was already uh, built to run it in a browser. So I guess yeah. this is the logical uh, next step. So, well, uh, well, we will update probably when that actually does come out, because it sounds like, like you said, uh, Daniel, uh, that there was an update. Yeah. That uh, this might not fully be out yet, but... Coming soon. Not quite baked. Coming soon. Ding. All right. Uh, next up, we're going over to the record.media. Billions of devices impacted by new Bracktooth Bluetooth vulnerabilities. And I know Don's just been saying for years, uh, stop using Bluetooth because it sucks. <laughs> but uh, but millions and, well, billions of people probably, or billions of devices at least, are are using Bluetooth. So what what is what is Bracktooth and, and who is in trouble of being... Uh, uh, it's almost like a denial of service type thing where it crashes and uh, basically freezes devices. Yeah. Um, the most serious being the remote code exploitation yes. uh, that can happen. But it's not across all devices. It's not protocol no. specific. It's, it's, it's specific to the vendor. Yes. Yeah, and how they implement the system on a chip. So, oh, so Wes, specific chip. <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. So, it looks like some Intel, Qualcomm, Texas Instruments. Yeah. Uh, there was a nice little rundown of like um, who is vulnerable and in what way. So, like, uh, let's see here. Volvo's on there. Yeah. Ooh. Where Where is that sticking? There it is. Walmart stores, Panasonic. Was it Espressive Systems? Is, Did oh, you I'm, say uh, espresso systems? Uh, yeah, espresso systems. Man, no more coffee yeah. latte. That's but right. they they have uh, patches available on what they're vulnerable to. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, moving Qualcomm. I like how Texas Instruments just threw up double birds. I was just going to say, not all <laughs> vendors are even going to patch it. They're yeah, just like, yeah, like whatever. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we'll I keep guess that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. <laughs> Bunch of eighth graders on the graphing yeah, calculator. That's right. not oh, be able to no, someone got into my yeah. What do you T-I-85? mean I can't do my homework? Yeah, yeah. Oh. What do you mean I can't draw a butt anymore? Because <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what those are for. That's right. Thicker, yeah. uh, but it also mentioned some Microsoft uh, Surface laptops. The Surface Laptop 3, the Surface Go 2, Surface Pro 7, and Surface book three yeah which there are a lot more surface there, there's apparently a patch in process for the intel based chipsets which those ones would be right probably yeah. oh most likely yeah mm-hmm. but a pretty good rundown of like like wes said you're either going to get an out surface going to going to make you have to reboot the device or in worst case scenario which is funny because they talk about how many devices are actually exposed to this right they talk about 1400 commercial products which some are bound to have and reuse the same Bluetooth software stack yeah. on how that, but really how many devices are out there are billions. So if you are a part of the subset of that billions, how many devices is that? Probably a lot. Mm. Well, I think the one that's going to have the biggest impact is um, from Walmart stores, the disco lamp speaker. 
uh, among Not my others. disco lamp speaker. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So people That's can it, man. Uh, flood it with, with many audio signals, it sounds like, and really mess so up So it's going to stop party. spinning. I don't know if it's, it keep, might keep spinning, just different sounds come out. Um, Starts playing the Bee Gees randomly. Yeah. Which would be hell. <laughs> you actually have that on your board over there, don't you? Yeah, that's right. So you got some Bee Gees over there? I thought you did. You're a Bee Gees guy? Me? No, you. I, on your, oh, on I don't your know. Soundboard. I'm here. No, yeah, you I, I got rid of that crap. <laughs> no. Disco. You mean music. That disco's not music. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were on the same page there. Yeah. Apparently not. All right, well, let's move on to our next article, which is something that's happened in the past that we're looking at again in Deja News. <laughs> News. That's catchy too. It's Beyonce. What are you yeah. gonna do? You know? girl, girl knows what she's doing. Yeah, Queen B. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, this is the one from uh, I think it was the UK. Yeah, recently. Yeah. So uh, we're looking at the Register.com leaked gun trader firearms data file shared. Worst case scenario, criminals plot UK gun owners' home address in Google Earth. So we talked about a while back that a database of gun owners uh, in the UK was uh, was breached and, and it, it was released, right? Was it released uh, out yes. to the public? Yeah. Yes. And so now the gun owner's home address uh, addresses can be found in Google, Google Earth. Earth. So, yeah. Which Gotta is, love douchebags being douchebags. Well, it's yep. great for the for the zombie apocalypse that you can be like, hey, <laughs> like, we, we, we need to get our hands Bill, on Billy. Billy know where the guns are. I didn't know are. Billy had a gun. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> bring that map up. Hey. <laughs> I think you could own firearms. You can. It's very restrictive. Yeah, I was say, so all the twenty-two it's, owners. It's not handguns. I yeah. think. I think all handguns are banned. Any kind of like it's it's yep. basically sporting farms and hunting. <laughs> yeah, think about all the hunting like yeah. things you see. Okay. In, in, like an over/under shotgun is yeah. basically what you can have. So, you know, like Gatlin guns. Th- Gatlin this guns. Uh, this article. I was reading this article and it just kind of made off gun owners to be like these victims. It's like. They have guns. <laughs> like, be on the lookout. Sweet, they're coming to my house. Yeah. Excellent. So the people without guns yeah. now know where the guns are. So don't but, rob that house. <laughs> well, but but if other gun owners did come, and then they got more guns at your house. Well, well if they have limited access in general to guns, then maybe it's uh you know it's a it's a proposition for yeah. them. We can we know where to find them. See, I would yeah. think of if I were a criminal, I'd be like, man, but to rob that house over there. Hold on, let me look at it. Oh hell no! We got a gun. Yeah. You can use it the other way. Yeah. This I ain't going near that house. Their neighbor, on the other hand, yeah, this. Yeah. They don't just have a Nest thermostat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got Johnny Five with an over under waiting for me at the door. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess you know it's funny because last time we were speculating. Well, what could they do with this list? Well, they could put everybody's name on the internet. Yeah, you know? I mean we're doxing they people, did. and mm-hmm. that's not cool. Like, that's come on, cool. people. And it was a it was an animal rights group that. It said, hey, go ask them if they've shot an animal lately. If oh, it was the animal rights group that took credit that, for that, the hat? That posted it oh. on, on to, or mapped it to Google Earth, I think that's what it said. Yeah. Go ask them if they've shot an animal. Oh, they're about to. Yeah. Um, you. Yeah. <laughs> on so, their porch. Interesting that uh, they they did that. I'm trying to find that that area where it talks about it and they what they sold it and people to do. Anyway. <laughs> shoot back. Yeah. Well, they're not going to shoot anybody. Oh, Unless they true. come and try to rob them, then yeah, they but would be I guess in they're coming with like uh, slingshots, and that would be a mistake. And uh, yeah, swords. Like, I, like I said, this should be a. This is basically like a reverse list of people you don't want to go rob. Yeah, exactly. No, I like I like the idea to use it that way, and yeah. in which yeah. all the more reason. Like, hey, I, I bought a gun, I threw it away right when I got it, but I'm on this list now of yeah. the don't rob me list. 
<laughs> I want to get back on that don't rob me list. That's how. That's how. Get, get hacked. All right. Uh, I want to let you know about a couple things coming up from IT Pro TV. First of all, we've got a webinar that is happening on Thursday, September 9th, the same day that this mm. very podcast comes out. Uh, Azure, Azure Virtual Desktop versus Windows 365, which is right for you. The use case Both. is for Windows 11, <laughs> ABD, and Microsoft 365. Well, we don't get paid uh, by, you know, That's if right. you use them or not. So we we're going to tell it like it is. That's right. Yeah, we're going to tell it like it is. But, you know, Mike's a fanboy. so he's He kind of is. He is Mark Del Hard for that. We're not saying Azure. We're just saying yeah. Azure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we got Mike Roderick and Adam Gordon doing that one. And don't worry if you're listening to this after the fact, it will be archived and you can listen to it uh, and watch it again in the future. But head over to itpro.tv slash webinars. That's where you can register for it if it's still coming up or if you did miss it, uh, that's where it will be posted very soon uh, where you can watch that uh, replay and enjoy learning about virtual desktop and three microsoft 365 and i know we're going to uh, talk about those things a little bit more uh, as well in the future so uh, don't worry if you missed that and more webinars coming up soon uh, also head over to technado.com you know get, still time to send in those yo mama jokes um, <laughs> until don tells me to to stop or we run out of t-shirts i don't know which whichever one comes first or of course you can send in articles for us to cover uh, we do appreciate those can't always get to them but uh, if we do you'll get a t-shirt as well uh, also on that technado.com website is a big orange button that says sponsored by IT Pro TV. Check that out and you can get a 30% off coupon code for the lifetime of your personal membership to IT Pro TV. You can also request a team trial and demo and see all the cool features available for teams from IT Pro TV. All right, guys. Well, uh, we didn't miss a beat. Thank you so much, Wes, for, for jumping in. We yeah. appreciate that. No problem. You did Don better than Don does Don. All right. <laughs> I didn't know it was possible, but okay. Yeah. I'll so, take it. Remember to lower the mic on your way out. That's, That's right. right. That's and, right. Uh, About, what's he like, three <laughs> feet tall? That's what I said. Three and a half? Yeah, it was roughly. <laughs> yeah. It's tough yeah. to tell. He's a booster books, seat so. to drive. Yeah. 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 Well, of course, Wes is freakishly tall. We have learned, though, that Don <laughs> right. also doesn't listen the weeks he doesn't come, so You're say right. what you want. And this yeah. is time. <laughs> Uh, everything is up for grabs. All right. Thanks, all you guys. And thank you, all of you at home, for listening. We'll see you next week right here on Technado with Don Pizzette.